Hey everybody, this is Todd. This is uh, part two of a two-part interview that we did with uh, Sarah Konishnik and Diane Latz Kautz. Uh, they are two amazing women that talk about uh, common sense gun laws for the state of Illinois as well as the rest of our country. Hopefully you enjoy it. Thanks. If it was specific to a certain legislation you were referring to, or it was just kind of the big picture, but you're like, we are going to get there. Like, and there's really not a doubt that we are. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, and that's I say that a lot. In fact, um, you know, I work with with a lot of survivors of gun violence, an awful lot of amazing, courageous people who've lost their children, their loved ones, but nevertheless get up. You know, every week, some sometimes every month, many times a month, regularly go out and tell their story, which is extremely painful. And I'm often speaking with them at these events. And sometimes I actually feel like I need to be a little careful because sometimes I look a little too happy and excited because um, we're talking about, you know, heavy, tragic events. And sometimes I just I can't hide my enthusiasm because I have seen the change that has taken place in this movement in the last three years. Um, I can tell you when I started in the fall of 2015, nothing like what we've seen in the last six to nine to 12 months. Um, none of that was going on. We have seen so much movement where our growth is just going, it's just through the stratosphere. I mean, and not just in Moms Demand Action, but in every gun violence prevention organization that I work with. Um, everyone is willing to do so much more than than politicians expect them to be able to do. Um, grassroots activists are getting involved at a level that we've never seen in my lifetime. And uh, a lot of them have chosen, chosen this issue to get behind. Um, and that is a good choice because we are reaching a turning point on our issue. And please just don't take my word for it because, you know, I'm new here. I've only been here three years in this movement. And yeah, I'm all excited and I have all this energy. But I work with people who've been doing this work for decades and they do not see mm -hmm. the world through rose colored glasses. And every one of them tells me the same thing. We've never seen it like it is today. We've never seen the kind of change and the kind of action that people are taking on the ground like we're seeing now. Um, they're, they're really just, they're giddy. <laughs> like, and these are like some, you know, jaded people that have like seen some of the worst of Illinois politics. So, you know, and they're just over the moon at, at how far we've come. And, um, in Illinois, we are, um, we have completely changed the narrative around gun violence prevention. Uh, up until a couple of years ago, all the, um, positive, movement and momentum was coming from the other side, mm -hmm. from the gun rights side. Uh, today, we've completely turned that around 180 degrees. There are at least five bills pending in the General Assembly right now, um, all offensive bills, bills that are good gun safety bills that will instantly, upon becoming law, um, make us all safer. Mm. You know, because you brought that up, I've wanted to ask this a few times uh, from either of you. As you said, there have been organizations, especially all of us who have lived in, we live outside mm -hmm. of Chicago or we've lived in Chicago and we know this has been an issue in our city for a long time. And there's been a lot of families who have not been listened to and a lot of schools that have not been listened to. And um, can you name some of those organizations who have been doing such amazing work because they need to get the recognition that they deserve? Because I'm hoping now they're coming more into the mainstream, meaning that more people are understanding the work they've been doing on the the ground, um, you know, so any organizations that you can think of. Can you think of any, Diane? 
like that you're that moms is connected to or and again I have no idea I just know that this has been an issue in our city for a really long time it has. I think there's a there's a well. First of all, there's a lot of local groups in in the the city of Chicago. This is not a, a new problem for our, our city at all, um, and this has been going on for years. I mean, we've seen an an increase. Although it's it's interesting because everybody always talks about Chicago. I mean, gosh, you know, we hear it on a national level from our president or from other people. And um, although we are not the murder capital of the United States, as some people like to say. And I think, Sarah, you brought up the statistic. We're not even um, the quote-unquote murder crap of Illinois. No, that's right. So <laughs> why, why is that said if we're not? I'm sorry to take a detour, but why? There were some people, and I just, just to give you guys some understanding, you know, we do a conference every year here in Chicago, and we had some people who lived on the West Coast who chose to not come because it was in Chicago, because they felt Chicago was too violent. And there's, I'm, it's, you know, for us who have lived here our whole lives, all of us, Mm -hmm. that's, we, you know, even though, yes, we have issues, like it's that place in the middle, like we've watched so many horrible things and we hear so much horrible, you know, things on the news, but at the same time, where's this information coming from? Why are people hearing we're the murder capital of the world? Because it serves the the gun lobby's propaganda mm-hmm. campaign. Yeah, it's part and, of the agenda. And please it's easy. don't ever forget that their chief spokesperson right now has the biggest bully pulpit in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Donald Trump says things like, uh, we don't need gun safety legislation because Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in the nation and they have the highest uh, murder rate. First of all, that's false, as yeah. Diane mm-hmm. just explained. Um, but he's... It, it serves the purposes of the gun lobby for him to to say things like that because it creates fear. And remember, mm-hmm. why do people buy guns? Because they're afraid. Uh, so it's a combination of Chicago's reputation, um, not reputation, uh, that's the wrong word, the fact that, co- that Chicago is such a diverse city. Um, and if you're trying to dr- drum up fear, the, the best way to do it in the United States of America is, and it always has been and it still is, the best way to drum up fear is to make the majority, which at least for now is, is white, Caucasian Americans, make them afraid of brown and black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and That's so what I was going to say. I think Chicago, there's a lot of racial undertones to... to and anyone that. who tries to say that it's there are no racial undertones... Uh, is simply doing what so many Americans have done for generations, actually our entire history, which is refuse to look the truth in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm th- I'm not trying to say that everyone that is uh, against gun safety legislation is a racist. I absolutely do not no. believe that. But I do think there are racial undertones in this country that very few of us have ever really looked squarely in the face. And that is a weapon that or a tool that people use in order to manipulate us. And that's exactly what's happened with this issue. Um, so you have a, you gave, that was a handout at the meeting, right? Mm-hmm. The one that you're looking at. And then there's what, 100 or so Illinois. Yeah, the reason I, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Please continue. I, I just, your... I, when I saw that piece of paper, I, can you tell us what, what's on that piece sure. of paper? Sure. Yeah. So the reason I pulled it out is because a couple of moments ago, um, Todd asked about the other organizations that we're aware of that Moms Demand Action works with uh, that 
uh, are doing um, gun violence prevention work. And there are a few that I'd like to mention. These are all members of the Illinois Gun Violence Prevention Coalition. Um, just a couple of um, statistics that I like to share because it supports my overall message, which is that we are winning. <laughs> and what I mean by we are winning is we are going to succeed at changing the culture around guns in this country. It's just a matter of time. Um, anyone who knows me will tell you I'm not an optimist by nature, but the only reason I'm so confident is because I saw what was going on three years ago and I see what's going on now. And here's, you know, don't, don't just take my word for it. I have some numbers and some facts to back it up. The Illinois Gun Violence Prevention Coalition um, in August of 2017, not even one year ago, consisted of 90 rather small organizations, many of which have been incredibly dedicated to the cause of gun violence prevention for a very long time. But they were relatively small, and they represented a statewide membership for the coalition of 25,000 people. Today, we have over 140 member organizations. Some are quite large. And now the state membership of the Illinois Gun Violence Prevention Coalition is over 200,000. So I'm not a numbers person, but that's an amazing amount of growth in a very short time. Well, and those organizations are from just small local neighborhood groups um, or religious organizations or, or communities, mm -hmm. all the way up to some pretty large um, yes. um, groups, including Moms Demand Action. Right. But I know, for instance, um, this week we have a, a local meeting here um, in Elmhurst, and our speaker, um, Rebecca Levin, is from... Uh, strengthen Chicago Youth, which is an organization, actually a non-for-profit that's funded and was started by our largest children's hospital here, Robert Lurie. Um, and it was because they were saw what was happening, um, especially to children in our city and elsewhere. Um, to And they, they funded this organization to treat um, gun violence and any violence uh, towards children as a public health issue. Um, so. Yeah, and Becky Levin uh, and her organization, Strengthening Chicago's Youth, and a few other um, organizations are really leading the move, the, mm -hmm. the charge right now to to make people realize that this is a public health issue, and, and that's just one of the many exciting changes. I'd really like to mention some of the other groups um, that are members of the coalition, and as I mention them, I'd like everyone to please keep in mind that these organizations represent many different issue groups. And what I mean by that is um, gun violence is an extremely complex problem. And uh, my fellow Moms Demand Action leads in the Chicago area, I can't speak for all Moms Demand Action leads, but my fellow leads here in the Chicago area, um, as a group, we, we all pretty much agree with this philosophy that Moms Demand Action can serve our communities best by forming meaningful, um, productive relationships with organizations that are affect they're working on issues that are affected by gun violence. They may not be gun violence prevention organizations per se, like Moms Demand Action is, but they're operating in spaces, they're serving people for which gun violence is a problem. So examples are um, domestic violence groups, groups that are working uh, to address the problem of a lack of appropriate mental health care in the United States, groups that are working to reduce suicide, groups that are working to reduce uh, violence in underserved um, uh, communities. By that, I mean communities uh, that um, don't have the kind of investment that lead to high socioeconomic levels. Um, there are also groups that work only on legislative change, 
Uh, there are groups that are working to reduce hate crimes against minorities of all types. Uh, so as I mentioned these, just keep in mind that the coalition is re and Moms Demand Action, at least in the Chicago and Illinois area, we're working very hard to serve um, as a way of bringing all of those disparate issue groups together so that we're working together in support of cultural change and legislative change. And we actually did that with gun dealer licensing in the last 12 to 15 months. We took a bill that had languished in the General Assembly for over 16 years, and by finally coming together, all of these different issue groups coming together and working together, we got that bill passed out of both houses of the General Assembly with bipartisan support. Uh, so just name a few of these incredible organizations that helped us get there. Um, I'd like to start with People for a Safer Society. Uh, they are um, focused on local and state level change, um, but I have to tell you, uh, Denise Stoneback, the founder of People for a Safer Society, I think I've learned more from her about state level legislation than anyone else. She has an amazing team of people working with her. Um, so that's, that's a group working for legislative change. Um, I'd like to give you an example of an incredible organization that's working on issues of restorative justice and things like um, ending um, the wrongful sentencing. So a lot of times, um, usually black and brown youth uh, from underserved communities, they when they get arrested, they end up sentenced for crimes that are way out of proportion to, to whatever crime they committed. Um, those are the kinds of things that Precious Blood Ministry of Reconciliation works on. Um, and I'd just like to give you an example. On Saturday, this past Saturday, May 12th, uh, Precious Blood Ministry of Reconciliation joined together with um, five or six other uh, groups that are working in the back of the yards community of Chicago, which one is is one of the most socio and economically disadvantaged communities in Chicago. And we all joined together also with the Illinois Gun Violence Prevention Coalition and Moms Demand Action. And we all came together for a Unity for Peace March, which was absolutely moving on, in so many ways. Um, and what we're seeing, what's changing now is through the coalition, through Moms Demand Action, People from communities like mine, I'm from the northern affluent Chicago suburbs, uh, people from communities like mine are actually building real relationships with people in underserved communities. Um, and we're doing it with the help of groups like People for a Safer Society. So what I'm trying to say is we're actually showing up for each other now. Mm -hmm. And that has resulted in actual real change that we can point to. The fact that we finally all started working together is the reason why gun dealer licensing passed out of the Illinois House with bipartisan support on February 28th. It would not have happened if we hadn't all started working together. Um, so I'm just imagining some people listening. Um, they're like, wow, this sounds really, really good. Um, I just want to know that whatever ideas we come up with as far as actionable things that somebody listening can do, I'm going to put them in the show notes and maybe we'll close with that. But I just want everybody to either, if you're like, wow, this sounds really good, but I'm from Arizona or I'm from Washington or even I'm from Illinois, what can I do? We'll bullet point something on the show notes just so you guys can do it, but we'll close with that. Um, but, uh, is there anything specific about Illinois, like at this moment, what it is that you're working on that you'd like to share? Yes. <laughs> uh, so the Gun Dealer Licensing Act, which I just mentioned, uh, that is the bill that 16 years ago um, passed, uh, um, was introduced in the Illinois Senate. Um, 
and failed to pass 14 years in a row. In April of 2017, gun dealer licensing passed the uh, Illinois Senate with bipartisan support. It needed 30 votes to pass. It got 30 votes, and the 30th vote was cast by a Republican senator who one week before publicly swore that he would never vote for the bill. On the day of the vote, this is Senator Tom Rooney, by the way. Um, many of your listeners, I'm guessing, uh, may even be constituents of Senator Rooney, and if you are, please call him and thank him. Uh, in April of 2017, he changed his vote at the last moment, uh, voted in favor of gun dealer licensing, um, and he said that afternoon in an open letter that he published across the state of Illinois, I don't like this bill, I did not want to vote for it, but I heard from so many of my constituents asking me to that I felt I had no choice. Um, I'd, like every, I'd like to share, uh, that moment was so transformational for me that that was when I decided to leave behind my 17-year teaching career and become a full-time gun violence prevention advocate because it taught me that by speaking up and making our voices heard, we can actually make the change that we want to see in our, our communities and in our country. Uh, so what happened next was um, I was fortunate enough to get a full-time job. Um, my entire purpose <laughs> originally was to help get that same bill passed out of the Illinois House. Uh, but my secondary priority was to manage and grow the Illinois Gun Violence Prevention Coalition. None of us expected the kind of growth that we've seen in the coalition. And so now, in my mind, um, they're equal. <laughs> they're, they're equally important priorities to me um, because I do believe it's only by working together through things like the coalition and Moms Demand Action that we're going to see the kind of change we want. Um, but to finish the story on gun dealer licensing, and I am getting to the, the, the action that everyone can take right now, um, as I said before, gun dealer licensing passed out of the Illinois House in February of 2018 with five Republican House representatives voting in favor of it, which was absolutely mind-blowing. Even a month before that vote, we never imagined in a million years we would get that kind of support from Republicans. Uh, so another sign of how things are changing, how things are changing in our favor. The wind is at our backs. Uh, six days later, Governor Rauner vetoed that bill. Uh, the reason he did it is because he was afraid he was going to lose the primary to Jeannie Ives. That's the simple fact is he put his own political future and interests ahead of the safety of the people of Illinois. Uh, because just to review, as I said earlier, uh, this bill would have an immediate impact on reducing the 40% of crime guns that are confiscated in Illinois that originate from Illinois gun dealers. Um, However, that's a decision he made. Uh, so we immediately, the Gun Violence Prevention Coalition, including Moms Demand Action, we immediately started mobilizing to try to get enough votes in the Senate and the House to overturn that veto. We did get enough votes in the Senate. We, we managed to get a two-thirds majority, which would have been enough to overturn the veto. And anybody who's been in this movement for more than a few months knows that is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, right now, it's all I can do not to get up and cheer about it. Like, it's just so amazing that we, were be able, that we would be able to get a veto-proof majority. Um, but we did it. Uh, the sponsoring senator, Dan Harmon, however, decided not to call that vote in the Senate because he felt that there would not be enough votes in the House. So what he decided to do was the very next day, he, together with a Republican senator, Senator Chris Nybo, uh, they introduced a new bill that will serve the same purpose, 
Um, it has a lot of changes to it. It's called a, it's got a different name now. It's called Combating Illegal Gun Trafficking Act. Um, there are a lot of changes to it, but in a lot of ways, we actually feel like, from our point of view, those of us who are trying to improve gun safety through legislation, it's actually better in a lot of ways. So we're really excited about it. And what we need everyone to do is to please call their Illinois House representative and their Illinois state senator and ask them to vote yes on Combating Illegal Gun Trafficking Act. Unfortunately, I don't have a bill number right now because the language of this bill is being negotiated as we speak, and uh, we're expecting any minute now to, to have final um, word on what the number is. Um, but trust me, <laughs> we want it to become law. I, I'm uh, just going to jump in on, um, because mm -hmm. one of the things I want to point out, and, and really it's doing a shout-out to Senator Chris Nybo here, because one of the, the things that... Um, that uh, Sarah had mentioned is that how much things have changed, even in the past year. Last year, when this bill was on the Senate floor, um, Senator Nybo, who is a Republican, voted against the bill. Um, however, however, flash forward now, um, uh, not even 12 months later, and he is actually working with Senator Harmon on this bill to try to get it um, changed and, 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 and tweaked as much as we can to get as um, many votes as we can in the, both the House and the Senate. And so um, but that goes to show you just how much has changed in this past year. And um, a credit to him that he's listening to his constituents. There's been a lot of um, studies and surveys out there about um, how uh, public opinion has changed quite a bit, uh, even in the past year or two. If you um, take a look at some of the, the surveys, um, I know that it was um, actually Sarah's group who um, had commissioned um, a survey looking at the state and um, who was in support of this particular gun dealer licensing. But one of the things they did is one of the the pushback that we always got was, well, you know, it's the city of Chicago's included in these, this survey. Of course, everybody in the city of Chicago wants this. So uh, you can even uh, talk about this, the survey. They, they surveyed the state and excluded Chicago mm -hmm. and focused on uh, the collar uh, counties surrounding Chicago as well as downstate. And the um, the figures were staggering. I think it was seventy. I, th I, I like I said, I'm not a numbers person. I for some reason I have eighty two percent in my head. Well, I but. think it's if you include Chicago, it's eighty two. But uh, then okay. it's the mid seventies right. yeah. if you take because you know again they purposely did this mm -hmm. so that um, you know if you take out the the city of Chicago, mm -hmm. um, it's still in the mid seventies. Like seventy five percent of the state wants to see this type of a licensing uh, passed. So although it's not going to be. Uh, called it's licensing going, yes, anymore, it's, so. again, I'll just repeat the new name of the bill again. It's called Combating Illegal Gun Trafficking Act. Um, right now, we, we the, need a good acronym. Yeah, Some, I know. Something catchy. C I G T A. <laughs> well, uh, and yeah. on that note, from somebody who is, you know, not as knowledgeable about this mm -hmm. as the two of you are, but Todd and I have tried to, we're trying to educate ourselves and understand these bills coming across in our own state. Is it really, we've been, for however many months, have been making the phone calls? Diane mm -hmm. has been kind of our leader in this and telling us what they are and, you know, helping us understand. And when I call, I get a real person. Yeah. Yeah. And, they and say, it's easy. And they're so kind and they're yeah. like hello and I say this is what I'm you know focused on and I'm hoping that they'll vote this way and they'll be like great we'll pass that along well and, and she, Diane even gives us if you know if you want to just riff it you can but you also give us a script I do because I I, I um, this is a very complex like there's so many layers to this and honestly I believe in what you guys are doing 
But uh, if I were to go deep on this, I wouldn't get anything done. So basically, I'm just like blindly, <laughs> this right or wrong, blindly believing in what it is that you guys are doing. Tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Tell me what to right. say, whether it's voting or donating or making a phone call to mm-hmm. a senator or whatever it is. And because we all have different ways we like to um, show up. Some people like to write a check. Some people like to vote. Some people like to make phone calls. Some people like to do this. And you give many different ways of how to do that. I can do that right now. In fact, everyone listening, please write down my email address. It's S as in Sam, A-R uh, as in Roger, A-K as in King, at I-C as in Cat, H-V as in Victor, .org. And even if you don't live in the state of Illinois, please contact me anyway, because I will help you find someone in your state that can help you get involved. If you do live in the state of Illinois, then what you can do right now is contact me and I will make it easy for you to do the following things, all of them or one or two, whatever it is that you're uh, comfortable doing. Uh, I will make it easy for you to contact your Illinois House representative and senator Uh, and ask them to vote in favor of the Combating Illegal Gun Trafficking Act, as well as four other safety gun safety bills that are pending right now in the General Assembly. I will make it easy for you to host a phone bank in support of um, our key bills. Um, And what that means is I give you... um, your choice, either a paper call script um, and list of phone numbers, or I give you a virtual phone bank, which comes through, I give send you a link through email, um, and, it, and it's done online. Um, I also, if you're within driving distance, I will come and physically be there with you during your phone bank to answer questions and demonstrate how to do it. Um, if we have to talk over the phone, then I'm happy to teach you how to do it um, that way. Also, I know people all over the state. So if you live downstate uh, or far from Chicago, I'm sure I can find someone through Moms Demand Action to help you. Um, I can also make it easy for you to go to Springfield and lobby in favor of the bill, especially if you live anywhere near Springfield. Um, showing up physically in the Capitol and talking to these legislators face to face and asking them to vote for these bills makes a huge, huge impact on them. Uh, I'd also like to make one other comment. Of course, as Todd said, some people like to vote. I want everyone to like to vote. (laughs) Um, And yes, he's right. Please vote. Uh, But one thing that I've learned in the last 18 months, really, is what we have to do is far, far more than vote. Uh, The simple truth is I grew up in the 90s, the 2000s. Um, Obviously, in the 2000s, there were international crises that we had to deal with on on a grand scale. There have been economic crises. But for the most part, most of my adult life, I didn't realize how good I had it. There wasn't that much for somebody like me to have to get all up in arms about. Um, And because I wasn't paying attention, because all I was doing was voting, the NRA lobbying organization, not its whole membership, (laughs) but, but the lobbying arm of the NRA and the gun lobby in general, they were able to succeed because people like me weren't paying attention. All we were doing was voting. What it means to be a good citizen, an engaged citizen, uh, a, a citizen who deserves, frankly, to live in a democracy is to be fully engaged in the democratic process. And that doesn't mean you have to be politically involved, but it means you have to speak up. You have to have your elected officials' phone numbers in your contacts on your phone. 
and you have to be engaged and know what's going on around the issues that you care about. And you have to call those elected officials or you have to go and see them. You, it, we just weren't taught well, um, I think. Um, anyone my age, like I said, I'm 46 years old. I think anyone my age and younger was not taught in school or by their families. Or I mean, I'm speaking generally, of course. But we weren't taught what it really means to be a citizen of a democracy. A democracy takes work. It does. And, and I agree with you that not only is it something that we should do because we are members of this democracy, but when you do become active, it actually feels good. You feel, you know, there's so many people that I work with personally who feel kind of that, um, you know, I, I tend to work with women and they're like, you know, I, I don't feel like I, I, I appreciate my life, but I want more meaning and I want to have an impact. And making a, even as simple as making a phone call, you're like, I'm part of the solution. That's exactly. what, that's what I love, you know, is that feeling. And I remember I, you know, I was watching, I think it was 60 minutes uh, about, you know, the Parkland students and they were focusing on Emma Gonzalez, who's been very outspoken from Parkland. And they interviewed her, her mother and her mother said, you know, people keep saying to me, you know, we're behind your daughter. We're behind these students. And her comment was, we shouldn't be behind them. We should have been in front of them. Absolutely. And that's exactly what you're mm -hmm. saying is why has it gotten to a point that 17 year olds have to solve this problem? I Absolutely. couldn't agree more. You know, yeah. and that my daughter is asking me, she, you know, 15, you know, going to high school because there's been even threats in our own community. Um, and my 13 year old is explaining to me what they have to do in the classroom and that my fourth grader is asking me questions about guns. This is, we've gotten to a place where it's, um, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uh, scary that it should have been time a long time ago. But if there's anything that's going to propel us forward, it's my children and our children Absolutely. and everyone's children, not just our own families, but the children in Chicago, the children all over the, you know, all over our country who have been affected. I'd like to follow up on what you said about how so many people are looking um, for a, a sense of belonging, a sense of, of meaning, um, a sense of really feeling like they're making a positive impact. Uh, I think especially now um, in the wake of the political upheaval that we've been through in the last um, 18 to 24 months. Uh, and I'd like to share a quick story. People often ask me, how did you get involved in this movement? And first of all, I would like to point out that I am not a victim of gun violence or a survivor. And I want to tell you, I am the minority in this movement. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest surprises for me has been how many of the people that I work with in Moms Demand Action and the coalition who are involved because they've been personally touched. Um, so it, it's way more widespread than, than most people realize. It's very easy to think there's no gun violence in my safe community. I don't need to worry about that here. That's why I moved to this community so I wouldn't have to worry about it. If you believe that, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you live in America in 2018. There are more guns in America than there are people. If you think you are free of the threat of gun violence, you are mistaken. Uh, but I didn't mean to, <laughs> to be so serious. I actually meant to be quite, um, uh, quite hopeful, and I am quite hopeful. Um, but people often ask me, how did you get involved in this movement? It's not because I'm a victim of gun violence. It's because in the fall of 2015, after another mass, high-profile mass shooting, my sister, my younger sister, who had just had a baby, uh, so might have been still a little <laughs> emotional, which we all are after um, uh, high-profile shootings. But she came to me, and, and she said, she was crying, and she said, I don't understand. Those kids in, in Sandy Hook, they were kindergartners. 
Why doesn't anyone care? And I looked at her and I said, people do care, but the problem is people like you and me decide to spend our free time going to the gym instead of getting involved. Now, my sister uh, works full-time. She has two young children. Uh, at the time, she had a newborn, so I thought to myself, uh, she can't get involved, but I can. So I'm going to start this Moms Demand Action Group in the northern suburbs. I did it uh, together with um, one other woman, an amazing activist, Karen Fliegler. Uh, that was in the fall of 2015. It was just the two of us. Today, there are over 5,000 members of Moms Demand Action in the northern suburbs, and we have become a political force to be reckoned with. Um, so to follow up on, on what you were commenting on earlier is that the satisfaction I've gotten from being involved in this movement, from doing something that is getting involved in something that's bigger than just me, um, it is, has been transformative. But I've been very fortunate to be able to extend that beyond my own suburban community to reaching out to communities that I normally would never have gone into. Uh, I spend time often in underserved communities on the south and west side of Chicago. Communities, I lived in Chicago almost 30 years. Until 18 months ago, I never set foot in Austin. Now I go there regularly. And I don't understand what I was so scared of. <laughs> These pe I mean, obviously I'm not gonna go there at two o'clock in the morning, you know, walk the streets, but uh, I have met the most incredible people doing work there. I hear over and over again, when I, when I go out and talk to people in the collar counties and in downstate areas, they say things like, well, why aren't those people in those communities, why aren't they helping themselves? Well, come with me and I'll show you mm -hmm. how they're working around yeah. the clock. And by the way, in these communities, it's 0.1% of the residents are involved in the violence, 0.1%. Anybody out there who thinks that people in underserved communities are making a choice to live this way just simply hasn't gone down there to see what's really going on. Right. And if you choose to do it, I'll go with you. <laughs> Nothing makes me happier. But if you choose to, to, to go and, and really see what's going on in these types of communities and, and with the other issue groups as well, domestic violence groups, whatever issue it is that, that speaks closely to your heart, um, get involved with it. Don't be afraid. Um, it's very easy to think, well, I'm, I'm afraid. Um, what if I set aside the issue of my personal safety for a moment? What if I go into a community on the south side of Chicago and I'm the only white person there? What if I go into that community and people judge me and assume that I'm racist? Well, you know what? Uh, the, th the, the possibility of being judged is a whole lot less scary than trying to get through the day without getting shot. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> you'll get over it. And, and the payoff is just so much greater than you could ever imagine because you meet people that inspire you in ways you never thought possible. So. Exactly. I so agree. And I get to experience that a lot with my students and their families. And closing this up, uh, Diane, because I know you had a similar experience. It was the, it was Newtown also that inspired you. Yeah. You know, I think that I'm probably, um, very similar to some of your typical listeners. Uh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have two children. Um, but, you know, Sandy Hook um, and what happened there deeply affected me because um, at that time, um, five years ago, um, my son was at school, and uh, he was in first grade. And I turned on the news that day, and I saw what was happening and what was unfolding. And then I had to go and pick him up at school. And um, I often say I'll, I'll never forget that day. 
um, because of the particular uh, school that he is at, there's a special um, entrance and exit for the kindergartners and the first graders. So when I went there that day, I mean, uh, the moms were all standing there. There were a lot of fathers who came home from work early that day just to pick up their children. Everybody was standing there and crying because we knew that our kindergartners and first graders would be coming out, um, whereas those other parents um, from Sandy Hook, that their children were not going to be coming home that day. So it deeply um, affected me. But like a lot of other people that are out there, a lot of listeners, um, I, I sat on the sidelines for five years. You know, this happened five years ago. Now, granted, I was raising my children. Uh, you know, we all are get bogged down with the daily chores of life and doing things. I watched Moms Demand Action. I was a member kind of from afar. I'd, you know, cry, send money, all of those things. Every time another mass shooting occurred. And I watched each one happen. And each time I said, now is going to be the time that it changed, you know. But I didn't do anything besides wringing my hands, you know, complaining to my friends, crying, all of those things. And it was finally after Parkland when I had decided to, um, it was the day after Parkland, I, I called Moms Demand Action and said, okay, I, I need to set up a local group here, um, that I was just done. And I think a lot of the listeners out there are the same way, like we're done, enough. And that it, I, I love especially that the word action is in the name Moms Demand Action. And as Sarah mentioned, I think that the group makes it very easy for you um, to get involved in whatever level that you can. If you are still at home and you are still uh, raising your children and you don't have you know, the time to give, it could just be as simple as making a phone call to your state representative or senator on a particular bill. It may be signing a petition. Um, come to a meeting, um, get involved with a group, um, and you can be involved as little or as, as much as you want. But the nice thing about it is that you are participating. Mm -hmm. And as, as Sarah talked about, that it, it has come a time in our country that we need to be more involved. We need to be better citizens. Mm -hmm. And that involves taking action. Become educated and take some action. Um, and so it took me five years to finally get off the sidelines, but I'm so glad I did. And I think that, um, Sarah said, Moms Demand Action is a, a great gateway to this. If this is a particular issue that really speaks to you, uh, which it was for me, um, there were a lot of um, issues, especially after uh, the election, that um, I think that sometimes it's so easy to get um, overwhelmed by um, some of the things that are going on in our country. But for me, this particular issue really spoke to me. And um, I, and I just knew that I just finally had to do something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we all kind of feel like is that we have to just do something. Well, and that's uh, the domino effect. Like um, your mutual friend did that meeting. It wasn't even a mom's demand meeting. Who was it? Uh, Dana's Dana, yeah. meeting. So, mm -hmm. she, so one of Kathy's and Diane's friends had a meeting and she didn't even know what she was doing. Like she's like, I don't know, but I'm sick of it. <laughs> and then you went... And you started this chapter in Elmhurst, and then we went to your first two meetings, and then we met you, Sarah, yep. and now here we are talking to, whatever, six or 7,000 people, and there will be a ripple based off of this podcast, and it's just like, nurture the ripple. And, you know and it I mean? is working. As Sarah said, uh, say what you will, but we're winning. 
Mm-hmm. We we are winning. There is change. You could step back and take a macro view of this that I like to think that we're kind of still in the early stages of this movement in some ways, although it's been going on for decades. If you compare it, though, to the civil rights movement that happened decades ago, um, same-sex marriage, any of that, it starts at the grassroots level with these types of organizations uh, getting together, raising their voices, increasing awareness, just t- talking, having com- compassionate conversations with people, um, with your friends and neighbors and wh- whoever. Mm. And by doing that, the momentum just keeps building and building and, and it's changing. You know, and, and I think that's, uh, we've talked about legislation a little bit, and that's really important because um, I know we focused a bit on Illinois legislation. But again, in all of these other movements, when you look at uh, what ha- what happened and w- the changes that were made over time, it was first done at the state level. Mm-hmm. You have to make the changes state by state by state. And you put the pressure then on our federal government, and they finally then will pass something on a federal level, which is what happened then with civil rights, same-sex marriage, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I, I th- I, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I think there's just a lot of change and, and wonderful things going on. I I'm agree with you. Excited. So, Sarah, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just um, I want to say one thing that that I think about often is our elected officials don't lead; we lead. So we have to tell them what we want them to do. And it, this this issue in particular is a perfect way to get started doing that mm. because we're here we're ready to make it easy for you and uh we we need every voice so please join us wonderful um sweetie anything left well just thank you thanks for doing what you do thanks for inspiring us thanks for leading thanks for educating us uh that you are both so articulate and i learned so much just in this last hour so thank you Thank you. Thank you. Um, Show notes, we're going to have a bunch of actionable items, so be sure to check that out. If you get inspired and you want to do something, it will all be in the show notes. So we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, we have a book club, and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support, and keep on trucking.